what's working on purpose anyway? Each week we ponder the answer to this question. People ache for meaning and purpose at work, to contribute their talents passionately, and know their lives really matter. They crave being part of an organization that inspires them and helps them grow into realizing their highest potential. Business can be such a force for good in the world, elevating humanity. In our program, we provide guidance and inspiration to help usher in this world we all want, working on purpose. Now, here is your host, Dr. Elise Cortez. Welcome back to the Working on Purpose program. Thanks for tuning in again this week. I'm your host, Dr. Elise Cortez, joining you live from Dallas, Texas, which is home base for me. By way of introduction, if you don't know me, I'm a management consultant specializing in meaning and purpose. I'm an organizational logotherapist, social scientist, author, and um, speaker. You can learn more about me at EliseCortez.com or Gusto-Now.com. If you've been tuning in for a while, then you know this program is a thought leadership series that enlightens and inspires listeners and viewers with insights from distinguished business leaders, authors, and subject matter experts. By listening in, you're part of the movement to create inspirational leaders and enlightening workplaces where we can thrive and do business that betters the world. Glad you're here. With us today are Ron Barger, joining us from Dallas, Texas, and Andy Eby, joining us from Olathe, Kansas. They've joined together to form Serving Investors. We'll be talking about the current world awakening and the birth of this new offering, distinguish between traditional and servant investing, and learn Serbium's unique approach to working with companies they support. Ron and Andy, welcome to Working on Purpose. Good to be here, Elise. Thank you very much. Absolutely. Let's dive right in. So before we talk more about your organization, let's talk about where this all came from. So I want to open with how the world is awakening and what's your perspective on the, on how the global COVID-19 the pandemic has changed and awakened the world and business in particular. So let me start with that. And I'm glad you started with an easy question and it won't take long, maybe <laughs> only an hour. Okay. Uh, you know, so many people have been have been talking about this, but as I have looked at it and I've read and I observed this um, this year, and I think it's more than just COVID nineteen. I mean, this is something. This year is is framed by COVID nineteen, but there've been so many other things that have occurred. Uh, the the uh, racial uh, inequality issues, the natu- national di- natural disasters that have occurred, um, hurricanes and the fires out west. So this has been a very, very unique year. And, and I think I would describe it as a hinge year. And you've heard several people talk about that. But it is, it is one that I think is going to create massive change. And particularly if you think about business, it has disrupted business in so many different ways and revealed things that have historically have not been revealed. So you think about uh, the pandemic, uh, business, the globalization, that, that ground to a very quick halt. And I think what you are seeing is the the COVID-19 pandemic is accelerating some themes that had already started happening. You know, you've got globalization, people now see how connected we are, and now they're thinking about supply chains. And now you think about uh, multipolar kinds of economies as opposed to a global kind of economy. You've got behavior of consumers being dramatically changed and retailers and business have been struggling to create ways to connect to them. So now you have this uh, very quickly emerging space of digital experiences and physical experiences and the the hybrid of those two uh, are what are driving some of the behaviors. 
um, you, you've got you've got the, the issues that are happening in real estate, uh, office space in downtowns um, uh, and central business districts are being impacted severely. You're seeing homes, uh, the, the home market is going crazy, and you have people who are moving from large metro areas to other locations. And then you have all the all the impacts it's having on education and what we learn from that and how that may change education in the future. We've got all the issues, uh, you know, coming out of out of uh, trans transportation and how that may be changed. Um, and then you've got the whole issue of the expectation of governments and companies. And so this has unleashed a large reset, I think, of, of opportunities. And frankly, I think that's the, that's the takeaway from this, is that in this moment, um, there's opportunities in chaos and opportunities will be arising in such a moment that I think it's, uh, it, it'll, be, it'll be an opportunity for people to lean into this. Yeah, if, if I could add something to that, you know, I think one of the biggest challenges that businesses face is getting in your own way and being resistant to change and your organization own, own ability to evolve and change. And I think and if I would have to say as a business owner, I'm thankful for COVID because it's, it is just forcing us to do things differently. It's forcing us to think differently. It's taking us into new territories that are not comfortable, and businesses need to do that. Businesses get so, I know, speaking from my own experience, businesses get so stuck in what we know and what, and what we believe the way the world works. And so, as a business owner that, that does love innovation, that does love disruption, I'm thankful for COVID because it's going to take us in unknown places, and that sounds fun to me. I can appreciate that that comment, Andy. I can tell you that my book, Purpose Ignited, wouldn't be out without the pandemic, and neither would the new platform, Gusto Now. So I'm with you. And Ron, to your points, I just want to acknowledge. I really I wanted to open this conversation with really presencing just some of the forces that are at work here today, because I think it helps situate somewhat what the two of you've done with Servum Investors. So thank you for that start. So next, I happen to know that both you, both you, Ron and Andy, are are longtime conscious capitalism adherents and members. So I would, I think it makes a lot of sense for this conversation for each of you to share the critical points of your journey into conscious capitalism and the merits you attach to this philosophy, if you can, just sort of briefly, which would like to go first. Andy? Sure. So, you know, when I first got introduced to the conscious capitalism community, it's like I found my tribe. You Me know? too. Yeah. <laughs> and I think many people who actually all of a sudden they, they've been operating a certain way, they've been living with purpose, they've been living with values, and you kind of so, sometimes feel alone in the world as it relates to how you, you see and make sense of the world. And when I first came in the conscious capitalism community, I knew that was my home. And I think a lot of people, when they hear of conscious capitalism, they think, oh, there's some misconceptions as it relates to that. But fundamentally, conscious capitalism, for me, is a cornerstone of how I look at business being a force for good in the world. You know, I believe inherently that that business, when done consciously, when done right, when done with great values, allows us as human beings to live with a higher purpose, allows us to be engaged in meaningful work, and allows us to, to create the, transform the transformation we seek to see in the world. And conscious capitalism for me is my belief of the pathway to that. You know, I really feel 
you know, there is something that I believe is deep inside of all of us as human beings, this desire to contribute, this desire to have purpose, this desire to engage in the world in a way and, and bring out what is in our heart and put that in the world as thoroughly as possible with the deepest amount of integrity as possible and work when done right which I believe is expressed in the principles of conscious capitalism is the best vehicle that best gives me as a human being to be able to step into that. So I'm very, very committed to that community and, uh, and, and will be for, uh, you know, my, my business career as I engage in this. Splendid. Ron? So, so I'll go back and say that my journey started when I was a young boy in Southern Illinois watching my dad who had, was a small business owner in a small town who was a plumber, had a plumbing company, and I watched the way he treated people. And if you think about the foundations of conscious capitalism, it's about treating all of your stakeholders well and taking them into consideration. And in, a, in essence, it is a small town way of thinking about things. You have to treat your customers right. You have to treat your vendors right. You have to treat the bankers right. You have to treat everybody in town and everybody knows your reputation. And there is, a, there is a wholeness that I grew up with having seen that in my father and seeing other people in that community. And, and there came a point in time after I left um, uh, Goldman that I took a, a year off, a little over a year off, and I spent a lot of time exploring conscious capitalism, reading, understanding it, talking with people. And it really solidified what I felt in my heart. It brought words to what was in my heart. And it brought concepts to what I thought. And so I took that and when I went to the next uh, place of my journey to Oryx, we created culture, we created values, we created an organization that became a conscious capitalism organization that was supporting that. And, and so that's the way I've expressed it, but, but I think this is something that is very fundamental. It's very fundamental and it's not, it's not something that is to be um, uh, thought of as complex. It's doing what's right, it's doing what's good, it's doing what's caring for everybody. Mm-hmm. And so that's, that's, that expresses what I believe my philosophy is. Beautiful, Ron. Aligns with mine as well. And I love how you anchored it back and how you grew up and how you watched your father do his, conduct his business. That's, that's beautiful. So the next thing I want to do now, since we talked about conscious capitalism, now I want to distinguish servant leadership. So you're, I'd love to hear your perspective on how, how this philosophy or approach to leadership and doing business is different from others and why you chose it. Well, let, let, me, uh, let me first say, I think there are a lot of servant leaders in the world. And, and sort of the way that I would, I would say is, it's about serving. Um, I, I, I'm a person of faith. I believe that we are called, our purpose is to serve. And my journey has been one where um, I've, at every step along my career, I've had opportunities to see and observe and also to interact with people. And, and what I came to understand and ultimately believe is that everything we do in business is through people. And the servant side is if you're serving those people, you grow them. If you Uh, enable them, if you support them in a way that they can do and become the fullest expression of themselves, then your business will do amazing things. I'm a high culture guy. I'm a high culture guy. You know, culture eats strategy for breakfast every morning. You know, everyone's heard that. But, But I firmly believe that is if you have 
the people and you and you are attentive to their needs and, you, and they know that you support them and you can grow them and then make their life more full it's remarkable what can be accomplished and, and how you serve people you have to constantly think about that you know there are sometimes you have to serve them from the front when things are really bad and when things are really going good you step in the background and let them take the credit and let them take the accolades because they, they are the ones who've actually done it and so, you know, you talk about servant investing. There's, there's books, um, I think it was first coined by, by Robert Greenleaf, I believe, in the 1970s. And there's a lot of books that have been written about it. But, you know, fundamentally aligns with, with sort of my heart and my own perspective is there are so many people that are more talented than me. And my job is just to, to help them and support them and then get out of the way. Mm-hmm. I'm very much aligned with the whole notion of helping them grow and thrive and become their their very best. And, and I, as, as you might remember, I also wrote that in my book. So yes. you took it you took it a, a much further than, than me. But I really appreciate it, admire that perspective, and align with it tremendously. Okay, so now that we've laid the basics of of really some of the the key philosophy that I think undergirds what you're up to here, now I want to tell I want to hear the story of how Serbian Investors was born. I know it was early this year in 2020. Um, alongside the emergence of the pandemic. So tell us the story of how it came to be born. It really came to be uh, born, Elise, through you know our own personal experience as a uh, business provider um, in the business that we operate. And it was born out of struggle. And you know as a as a as an independent business owner for, over 30 years being in the senior living business, we've been, we've interacted with a variety of investors and, and financial institutions across our time. And we've seen how much impact that the financial community, how much impact the investors of businesses affect the purposes of the organizations that they've invested into. And fundamentally, when you look at things like conscious capitalism and what you see a lot of the companies who are involved in organizations like conscious capitalism, you see businesses pursuing higher purpose and uh, meaningful work and, and stakeholder orientation. But the capitalism part of that, particularly the capital, doesn't necessarily always embody that that the conscious capitalistic philosophy of the businesses that they've operated in. And I think over the course of time, over 30 years, I've experienced and seen shareholder orientation from the investment community, from the financial community. I've seen that stranglehold great businesses, great businesses that have great operations, great businesses that have great culture, and really limit the expression that these businesses can live into their purpose. And as a purpose-driven business, living this year after year after year after year, and seeing the things that we want to step into but can't because the financial community is not necessarily supporting that purpose in that way, uh, we felt that though it was time for us to start thinking differently about that. We started thinking that there needs to be a different way to support businesses that truly live a higher purpose. Because our belief is that if you really believe in conscious capitalism, if you really believe that business 
is a force for good in the world and has created more positive societal change than any organizational institute in the world that we know, whether it's government or anything, it's business that is done consciously, that is done with purpose. If you believe that, then the capital that funds those businesses need to have the, the, that same philosophy and that same commitment to higher purpose. And it's, it's challenging to learn how to get capital, to get investors who are bought in and that such. Mm-hmm. And so this is a conversation that we fully don't know how to fully bring into the world, but we know that we're living in it. We're experiencing what it's like without it. And we feel that there is a need and a higher calling for us to figure out how to manifest that in the form of the financial community. And that's what Ron and I are attempting to try to step into and solve in a meaningful way. And that's how it was birthed. It's fantastic, Andy. I'm a fan. I'm in. I'm a disciple. Let's grab our first break. I'm Dr. Elise Cortez, your host. We're on here with Andy Eby and Ron Barger, Observing Investors. We've been talking a bit about the awakening of the world, what's been happening, the underlying philosophies of Observing Investors and how it came to be. After the break, we're going to talk about the, the differences between traditional and servant investing. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Dr. Elise Cortez is a management consultant specializing in meaning and purpose. An inspirational speaker and author, she helps companies visioneer for greater purpose among stakeholders and develop purpose-inspired leadership and meaning-infused cultures that elevate fulfillment, performance, and commitment within the workforce. To learn more or to invite Elise to speak to your organization, please visit her at EliseCortez.com. Let's talk about how to get your employees working on purpose. This is Working on Purpose with Dr. Elise Cortez. To reach our program today or open a conversation with Elise, send an email to Elise, A-L-I-S-E, at EliseCortez.com. Now, back to Working on Purpose. Thanks for staying with us and welcome back to Working on Purpose. I want to give a quick announcement and share with you that I'm excited to say that my first folding book, Purpose Ignited, How Inspiring Leaders Unleash Passion in LA Cause, is coming out. It's on Amazon now and it's available November 17th. That was definitely part of the pandemic, let me tell you. Um, I wrote the whole book really to help readers transform into inspirational leaders who radically enliven the workplace and elevate the contribution of business across its stakeholders. Now, back to the program. If you're just joining us, my guests are Andy Eby and Ron Barker of Survey Investors. I'm your host, Dr. Elise Cortez. So now we want to pick up, gentlemen, if we can, with helping our listeners and viewers understand the differences between traditional and servant investing. So first, I think it makes sense for us to talk about your unique approach to at Survey Investing and, and help us understand how traditional investing works. So let's do that first. Traditional investing first, so we can lay that foundation, its components and its approach. Sure. So, Lisa, what we have done is we have looked at um, investing, and we've broken them down into into five categories. And so, let me let me touch on those categories with traditional investing. And the first the first area that we talk about is what's called income and impact. And and it could also be talked about as success and significance. So many people want to invest and and they want to maximize their returns, and they take those they take those profits that they make in the investment, and then they decide, well, maybe I want to do good with it, and they give it to a philanthropy or they do something else with it. Um, 
And so that is a very compartmentalized way of, of thinking about investing. It's, it's you, you make money someplace and then you move it to another and try to utilize it. The second area is what we call the investment vehicle. And in traditional investing, it's about transactions. It could be any number of things. It could be it could be uh, equities. It could be bonds. It could be real estate deals. It could be any number of things. But it's it's all about the transaction. Now realize I'm making some really broad assumptions, and these are very broad categories. And there are other people that that look at this a little differently. But this is sort of the frame that that we think about it. The next area is what we call relationship, and that is. Um, the traditional investor is in relationship with just the investment manager. Now they have they have a private uh, private wealth management person. They may have a stockbroker. They may have somebody that's bringing the deal to them. But their relationship is with that manager, and everything flows through the manager. And that's the end of the relationship. It's very it's very limited. The next component is what we call the time horizon. Most traditional investors think about the investment space as a short-term space. They want to maximize the return as quickly as possible and then utilize those funds. They have, they have an, a short-term, um, maybe up to seven years. But generally, it's very short-term in the way they approach uh, their investing. And then the last, the last area is the actual return. And in traditional investing, it's all about maximizing the financial return. It's all about getting as much as you possibly can profit from that particular transaction. And, and those, those particular uh, spaces are ones that, that we have spent a lot of time thinking about how to contrast. And I know we'll talk about that a little bit further. Awesome. That was a great way to just lay the foundation for our listeners and viewers. Thanks, Ron. Okay, now I want to get into, you take a particular stance on conscious capitalism in support of purpose-driven business. And I want to hear more about that. Andy, will you take that one? Yeah, as it relates to conscious capitalism, investing in purpose-driven businesses, you know, the, the question that we're holding that we don't quite know the answer is how to, what if capital came to serve the higher purpose of business? What would happen in the world? What would manifest, what would be available to all of us if capital came to serve. And so when we're thinking about things like Servium investors, we're thinking about to be the type of uh, partner, be the, be, the t- be the stakeholder, be the financial stakeholder that a conscious purpose-driven business deserves. And I think when you look at like the landscape of businesses in America, there's a lot of businesses that don't deserve a an investor that is a that is pursuing a higher purpose because they're not embracing the principles or embodying the principles of conscious capitalism expressed. I think the approach of what we're talking about is when you consider these businesses that are meaningfully pursuing purpose, that are meaningfully uh, that are a conscious business, that are growing, evolving, learning, shaping organizations, they deserve something different. They do. And if we as Americans, if we as business leaders, we have all the different things that need to be brought in the world, those businesses' purpose is what needs to be brought in the world. Because that brings 
us the ability to create sustainable transformational change that raises the tide of all of us. And so I think that's when we're thinking about investing, we're thinking about for these conscious, purpose-driven businesses, what does their purpose deserve from their financial partner? And we wanna live into that question and see how Servium investors can help lead the way of showing that pathway. I love it. And I really also appreciate and admire both of you for just literally like listening to your heart and letting letting your spirit be, be guided and brought forth into this unknown space. I really appreciate that. I did something similar when I jumped off a cliff to come and pursue what I'm doing. So I really admire and appreciate that and wanted to make sure I steward it. So I'm right here on the sidelines with you. There's um, a there's a old there's a, something that Ron and I talk about that we learned as a part of a participant in the Stegen Leadership Academy in Dallas and they introduced us to a word called cottywomple. Cottywomple <laughs> is an old English world, word. And it, what it stands for is traveling to an unknown destination in a purposeful way. Yeah. We think of like what we're trying to birth into this servant investing. Uh, we kind of don't know where we're headed, but we're going to move there in a purposeful way. It's kind of like what's going on in COVID. COVID, we don't know where the world's headed. None of us do. We don't know, but if we become more in close contact with that purpose that's inside of all of us and travel and move forward and don't stay stagnant, but move forward in a purposeful way, uh, we think we'll get where we want to go. Completely agree. I know that's what I'm doing. So I, I, I guess I got to agree with that, right? That's how I'm doing it too. Um, okay. So next for, for our listeners and viewers, I think it makes sense for us to, to fully distinguish servant investing from digital investing side by side. So will one of you take that? So, and if you threw out the old English term of, of, um, uh, word of cattywample, I threw out baltering because we are dancing with a lot of passion as well as we go through this. So the servant investing side, I'm going to contrast it to traditional investing. And, and the first thing is on the income and impact. And in our world, we call it the integrated cycle because you're, you are investing in an entity that is going to make impact in the same time you will get income from it. And so as opposed to having friction between 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 investing and then taking that money and, and deploying it elsewhere, you're deploying your capital into a business to make impact at the same time you make return. The investment vehicle, uh, which is the second um, uh, category, is very purpose-driven. We're investing in conscious businesses committed to societal transformation. Andy and I, as you have heard of these, are very, very much supporters of conscious capitalism. And, and we believe there are so many businesses, as Andy so eloquently said earlier, that are purpose-driven, that are conscious, that are doing great things. They just need to be released into this world to be able to do that purpose. And so we want to pick those that are that are supportive of that concept but even more importantly that will be transformational to have impact the third area is the relationship um, as i told you earlier in the, in the traditional investing that's simply what the investment manager the investor has a relationship with the investment manager in servant investing there are a couple of different relationships there's being in relationship with the work and in, the, in what we call the community of servants. And so let me explain. By being in relationship with the work, what we want are the 
people who are investing to actually get to know and be a part of the journey of the societal transformation that the business is in. We want them to come and understand their challenges, to be part of their um, conversations in terms of overcoming those, to learn more about the journey, because the things that we're trying to change are massive. They're societal, they're impactful. And the more that you can learn about those kinds of those those kinds of uh, issues, the more that I think you will be touched by it. And and then the second piece of this is the community of servants. We want to create a niche that's servant investing of a group of people that have a servant's heart, that have a servant's mind, and are willing to come together and help us build out this concept of servant investing. And so, you know, as, as, as Andy said, we're kind of walking right now. And we want to bring other people with like minds and like hearts together and sort of form this, um, uh, this future niche of investing because we think it's impactful into the world and so, and so great to need it. The next area is the time horizon. And our horizon is long term. And by that, it doesn't mean we, we intend to hold the, the investment or our, our activity with the business for infinite period of time or for you know 50 years. It's we're going to hold it as long as we as we are necessary in order to grow the business to the point where it can be released and freed and liberated to go live into its purpose more fully. Because so many people, as Andy explained a little bit earlier, businesses are constrained by capital. And they're constrained by not having the, the right growth trajectory at this point in time. If we can come in and accelerate that, be a catalyst, if you will, and then when they get to the point where they are ready to be liberated, we want to let them go. We're letting them go for the long term. And then the last, the last section is called return. And as we talked about in traditional investing, it's about maximizing financial return. And in our, and in our concept of servant investing, it's about good returns. There are finite returns and infinite returns. The finite are the monetary returns, the, the money, the, the, the returns that are easily calculable. The infinite returns are the fact that you are playing in a space of creating impact. That is infinite. And also the impact that it may have upon you as you get to know more about the work and you are changing the world, the world is going to change you back. And being around a community of servants will also change you, change your heart, change your caring capacity, change the way that you look at, you look at the world. And that's what we look at in terms of ultimately being the return out of servant investing is both the good returns of finite and infinite. Wow, that is such an arresting way to distinguish the two. And what I really also appreciate and applaud is, and I say this also in my book, and if if you got to that point in, in Iran as you pre-read, um, is that what if we don't strive for this, we are going to miss it. But there's there's something in the striving for something so much higher that I really applaud and appreciate. And and when we do that, we have a much better chance of getting there. So I really appreciate the striving and reaching that I hear both of you talking about. Thank you, Elise. You're welcome. Let's grab our last break here. I'm Elise Cortez, your host. We're on the air with Andy Eby and Ron Barger of Serving Investors. We've been talking a bit about the difference between traditional and servant investing. After the break, we're going to hear more about their approach and the impact they hope to make on the world. Stay with us. We'll be right back. 
Dr. Elise Cortez is a management consultant specializing in meaning and purpose. An inspirational speaker and author, she helps companies visioneer for greater purpose among stakeholders and develop purpose-inspired leadership and meaning-infused cultures that elevate fulfillment, performance, and commitment within the workforce. To learn more or to invite Elise to speak to your organization, please visit her at EliseCortez.com. Let's talk about how to get your employees working on purpose. This is Working on Purpose with Dr. Elise Cortez. To reach our program today or open a conversation with Elise, send an email to Elise, A-L-I-S-E, at EliseCortez.com. Now, back to Working on Purpose. Thanks for staying with us and welcome back to Working on Purpose. Another announcement I have for you is that we've launched Gusto Now. It's a growth and transformation e-learning platform featuring leadership and professional development courses, and we do it in English, Spanish, and Portuguese. If you're joining us now, my guests are Andy Eby and Andy Eby and Ron Barger of Servium Investors. I'm your host, Dr. Lisa Cortez. So as we kick off this last and final segment here, I think it would be really good for our listeners and viewers to hear the credo that we were talking about, Ron and Andy. So will one of you read your credo? Yeah, sure, I'd be happy to, Elise. Um, just a little bit of background on this credo. You know, this is uh, something that we're stepping into um, out of service. You know, we believe that every one of us has something inside of us that is trying to come in and through us. And it is our job as a human being to come in close contact with that and to actually hear that voice or that calling that is deep inside of us and bring that out into the world. And so it might be interesting uh, approach, but when we were building this uh, investment vehicle we were like we want to do it differently we don't want to just be this random financial institution we want to feel the heart of what a servant investor is like and so this is a what we call the credo of serving investors i'm going to read it here for you the world deserves a different type of investor an investor who is unapologetically driven by a higher purpose who cares deeply, plays big, and believes that business can change the world. What if capital came to serve? What if capital came to liberate? Think about the returns, both finite and infinite. Isn't this the investor the world deserves? We are that investor I will serve. So that the makings of that credo are deep inside of us, and it's built into the actual name of the organization. Servium is Latin for I will serve. And it comes from the Christian tradition of a story in the Bible where uh, God was sending his angels down for a task, and Lucifer, an angel at the time, said, non-servium, I will not serve. And St. Michael said, Servium, I will serve. And our credo is essentially a declaration of our heart service. 
our stand that we're willing to take in the world. It's a it's a stand that we believe needs to be birthed into the financial community, and we intend to serve. Sounds good to me, Andy. Sounds great to me. Again, all the more reason that I wanted to share your message because I think it's really important and certainly certainly something worth celebrating and putting forward from my vantage point. So thank you for rendering that the way that you did. Yeah. Well, let's talk a little bit about your operational model and your approach going forward. So the first thing I want to understand is, is how will you decide which companies to invest in? What's your criteria? Well, I believe for that, it's kind of a little bit of what I discussed earlier is that not every business deserves uh, to be a part of this type of approach because this is a very active, engaged investor. So an investor who is willing to be engaged with the work, to risk themselves in caring, to be involved, to lend their own experience and skills to that in which the investments in which they're investing in. So the clear delineation is that a lot of businesses don't deserve it. And I, I would have actually say most most businesses don't don't deserve it. And there's a huge difference between the embodiment of the businesses of what they're expressing and what they're living. And so uh, somehow uh, we have to come in close contact with the embodiment of the expression of values and purposes of these businesses. Because businesses that deserve this type of approach are what we believe and describe as conscious, purpose-driven businesses. And there's a lot of gray area around them. The only way that you really know what's going on is you have to be in relationship with that business. You have to be in relationship with the people, the relationship with the work, and that doesn't come through an arm-length transaction. It comes side-by-side, hand-by-hand, hands are dirty, involved in the interactions of the business. Mm-hmm. So that's what you mean by engaged investors. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. I'm, I've run a business, uh, our family business, for over 30 years. And many times when people start thinking about investors, they're like, just get them out of my way. <laughs> I'm run my business, right? And I think uh, a lot of us business owners would say that. That is unless an investor came by your side to serve. Imagine that. Imagine you running a business. And the people that we are, nor- as business leaders, normally nervous about because the capital has a big degree of influence of what actually happens. Imagine if they were by our side. And so we want investors who are active. And when we hear active investors, that kind of has a negative context, but not active in service, not active in purpose, coming investors who are in service to the higher purpose of that business. And so that is a very engaged relationship building. And I know that in my experience, when I've had investors who are by my side, who are going through the muck and mud and are experiencing, that makes them a better investor because they, they know the investment that much better. They're able to bring more meaningful solutions. They're not sitting on an ivory tower, second guessing things or bringing in their comments. They're bringing in their ideas, their vision, their love, their expertise in a way that better serves the organization because they're in relationship with it. Mm-hmm. So that is for us the difference between an active and engaged investor that comes to serve. Beautifully said. 
So as I was thinking about our conversation, gentlemen, I was thinking to myself, well, you know, as I thought about what you're saying here, being side by side and engaged and such, I started thinking to myself, well, hold on just a second. How is that different from, say, how a venture capitalist would be engaged in managing business? And I know that there's a difference, but let's hear you declare that and distinguish that for us. Well, let me take this one. And um, so I think the first thing is you think about traditional venture capitalists. They're not here to serve. They're there to make money, period, end of story. They're there to build a business, get it to a point where they can do something and monetize that investment, either the investment of their time or the investment of resources or investment of their money. So what they've done is create effectively the traditional investment model of maximizing their return. That's not our purpose. Our purpose is to come and understand spend time, serve, support, build, and then when it's time, release the organization. Even if it's not the most maximized return that we can we can obtain. It's about freeing them to then deliver their purpose. Our, our game is not short. Our game is long term. Our game is not be, being able to extract every last dollar of every investment. That's not how we, we look at this. We look at this as we're here to support a business to live the purpose to transform the world. And that's our service. That's how we explain this. Mm. And so are we different than a venture capitalist? Yes. Will we, will we be engaged? Venture capitalists may not necessarily have investors alongside with them. You know, they're a sponsor and they may bring, we're going to bring the investors in the fund with us to it. There's a concept that, that Andy was alluding to that we, we, we call go and see, but it actually comes from the concept uh, in Toyota that's called Ginchi Gabuchu, which is go and see. You have a question, you go answer the question and where the question is. You go to the line and see where the question is being asked. And that's what we want for our investors. As sponsors, we'll certainly be there. We want to bring the investors alongside to get their hands dirty like Andy Andy was discussing. But it's going and seeing and answering for yourself the questions that are arising in that business. Mm -hmm. Beautiful. Much better job than I could have ever done trying to distinguish that for myself. So thank you, Ron. Okay, so we've been talking about and hearing about what kinds of companies you might want to invest in. And of course, you, you've helped us understand that not everybody is worthy of such a such a, a, a beautifully gloved approach. So let's talk about the investor side. So you say that serving investors isn't for, for all investors. So how would you characterize your best fit investor? I'll, I'll take that one. And I think the best described is I'm going to share a quote with you that I think is very meaningful for us. That is kind of a organizing thought as it relates to the types of people that we want to be involved in. And it comes from Steve Jobs. It says we attract a different type of person, person who doesn't want to wait five or 10 years to have someone take a giant risk on him or her. Someone who really wants to get in a little over his head and make a dent in the universe. We are aware that we are doing something significant. We are here at the beginning of it, and we're able to shape how it goes. Everyone here has that sense that right now is one of those moments that we are influencing the future. And I think a, a person who, who would be interested in becoming a servant investor, as we've described it, 
would be able to say that quote that we're not about you know just one that wants to wait five or ten years for these things in which we all see and believe many of us know that business is a great force for change in the world but if you have resources and you have capital what are you doing about it are do are, is the capital that you're investing really reflective of that belief and if you're willing to do that you might need to get a little bit over your head take a different approach think different and come to serve and if that service and, and and give that service most thoroughly and with the deepest amount of integrity as possible that's the way that we believe we want to make a dent in this world that's what i'm doing this for i'm not doing this for I want to make money. I want to be successful. I want to live a better lifestyle. I want all of those things. But none of that stuff is what gets me excited in the morning. I want to be a part of something that makes a dent, that shapes something, that leaves this world better. And the old forms of investing for me, the old is just not fun enough. <laughs> it's not interesting enough. It's not fulfilling enough. I won't leave changed the world won't leave meaningfully changed. I'm here to do something that's different, be a part of something that's so much bigger than me and play my small piece in that play. And that for me is a servant investor. And so for me, uh, if nothing else, I'm creating servant, <laughs> Ron and I are creating servant investors for us because that's who we want to be in this world. And maybe people will join us Maybe we're in over our head, maybe not. I don't care. That's who I'm going to be. No, I like it, Andy. I, I like the company that I'm keeping. Uh, now, you've already been talking about this throughout, throughout the course of our conversation today, but just on the off chance this is a different answer or you want to build on what you've already been saying, I do want to ask, what, what do you envision the world looks like when Servum Investors has realized its purpose? Let's both take that. I think I think the leases you've indicated. Um, there's been a lot of what we've talked about is about the future, and the purpose, and the use of Serbium uh, into this world. I think about it is is how will how will Serbium be used? I hope it's used long after Andy and I are both gone. That people will be carrying this idea. They'll take they'll take the concept of servant investing, and it'll be something that will become widely used around the world because it's purpose. It's about service. It's about changing the world. And and it's and it's changing worlds. It's changing the world both in, in the business side and it's also changing people's lives. And so when this thing is fully expressed, it's expressed by changing the world for better, which is I think what we're called to from from our faith and from, from our purpose. I think it's about helping people grow in their own journey, in their own understanding of the world and how they want to put their service and their heart and their soul into this place, not just to extract value, but to give value. And then I look at, I look at, I look at all the people and the ripples that can happen is that is that, is that we are we are in essence creating something that is available to everyone to take to hopefully be in transformation of this globe for the betterment the betterment of, of humanity for the betterment of all those people that come in contact with it worthy of your one precious life for sure andy man i like just what you said right there worthy of this one precious life like 
that's what this is about for me. And we don't know what that is. And, you know, it's not, there's this, there's this thing that's inside of us that's coming out in through us. And it's not our job to judge it or compare it to other expressions of what is trying to merge through each of us. It's our job to keep it ourselves, to keep it our own and to bring that into the world and essentially cottywample. You don't know where you're headed, but go there in a purposeful way and have faith that that in which is deep inside of you, it's trying to come out and through you just to get out of its way. And for me, that's where my focus is. And that's where Ron's and I's focus is as a part of serving investors. That's beautiful. I do want to give you a, a, just a quick way to finish the, the, the program here. Uh, we're Because we're out of time. In say 30 seconds or less, what would you like to leave our listeners with? You know, I know you have a global program, Elise, and I think the, the comment that I was going to leave behind, Hope, we're coming out of this COVID pandemic, and there are great opportunities ahead. And there may be people that have been uh, thinking about what they could do. But I'm telling you, now is the time to live boldly. Now is the time to use your purpose because the opportunities await you on the other side of this. Lift your head up out of the fog, look forward, and step boldly into the future. That's what I would want to leave with people. Beautiful way to finish. I'm completely with you, Ron. Ron Barger and Andy Eby, thank you. Andy, thanks so much for joining me today on Working on Purpose. It has been an extreme pleasure to host you and help spread your word. Good work that you're doing. Thanks so much. Thank you. You're welcome. Listeners and viewers, if you want to learn more about serving investors and the work Andy and Ron are doing, the best way to do do so is to shoot Ron an email at ron at serviuminvestors.com. Let me spell that for you. It's S-E-R-V-I-A-M investors. So ron at serviuminvestors.com. Last week, if you missed the live show, you can always catch a recorded podcast. We were on the air with Howard Shore talking about his latest book, The Leader Launchpad, Five Steps to Fuel Your Business and Lift Your Profits. Fantastic conversation. Very, very enlightening. Many tools he gave us as well. Next week, we'll be on the air with Karen Weeks. She is the Senior Vice President at Order Group. We'll be talking about how this company has been changing its people practices to promote well-being during the pandemic. Promise to be a fantastic conversation as well. See you there. Remember that work is at least a third of our lives, so let's work on purpose. We hope you've enjoyed this week's program. Be sure to tune in to Working on Purpose, featuring your host, Dr. Elise Cortez, each week on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Together, we'll create a world where business operates conscientiously, leadership inspires impassioned performance, and employees are fulfilled in work that provides the meaning and purpose they crave. See you there. Let's work on purpose.